Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to the Yoga Hour Offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show, and our topic today is Cultivate Kindness and Connect Deeply. One of the ethical principles of yoga is ahimsa, a Sanskrit word that means harmlessness, nonviolence, but also means kindness. So how can we practice kindness? How can we live a kinder, more loving life? Today, we're going to discuss practical ways that we can do that and be more joyful, stay positive, and set a little love in motion. My guest today is Robin Speisman, the author of the book, Loving Out Loud, The Power of a Kind Word. Robin is an award-winning New York Times bestselling author and popular keynote speaker who has appeared in the media for over three decades, including NBC's Today Show, more than 30 times. She lives in Atlanta, and you can find out more about Robin Speisman, her books, and scheduled events at her website, robinspeisman.com. And that is spelled R-O-B-Y-N-S-P-I-Z-M-A-N.com, robinspeisman.com. You can also find her on Facebook at robinspeisman.7 and on Twitter at robinspeisman. Welcome, Robin. I'm delighted to have you with me today on the Yoga Hour. It's such a pleasure, and I, I consider this moment a, a gift. It's the present, but it's especially a gift today to be right. on your show. <laughs> Thank you. So before we dive into our dialogue about cultivating kindness, let's dive into a moment of just being present, and we'll have a, a moment of contemplation. So let's begin by just bringing our attention to our bodies, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, just feeling our bodies in space. If we're sitting or walking, just feel all of the surfaces that support your body. Feel your feet on the ground. If you're being supported by a chair, just feel the parts of your body that are in contact with that and just for a moment, let's turn our attention to the breath and just notice as we take a fully conscious breath, as we inhale and exhale, as we inhale, noticing the cool air in the nostrils, and as we exhale, 
Notice the warm air flowing out. Just letting the breath go in its natural rhythm, not trying to control it or change it, just noticing. Feeling the parts of our body that move as we inhale, perhaps the ribs or the belly. And notice those same spots as we exhale. And as we rest here, right where we are, here's something to contemplate, taken from Yogacharya O'Brien's Book of Inspirations, Living for the Sake of the Soul. Loving kindness is not sentimental or a practice for the weak. It takes radical courage to meet life with an open heart, a clear mind, and a will to love. Loving kindness is not sentimental or a practice for the weak. It takes radical courage to meet life with an open heart, a clear mind, and a will to love. So once again, Robin Spiesman, welcome to the Yoga Hour podcast. I'm really, really happy to be here with you today. Well, it's really my pleasure. And I love what you just shared, a will to love. (laughs) That's right. I thought it was such a good quote that matched our topic. (laughs) I, I agree. Yeah. So your book, Loving Out Loud, The Power of a Kind Word, encourages us to be more in touch with gratitude and kindness and to share those feelings with others. So what led you to write this book at this time? Well, two things really inspired this book. First of all, I didn't think the world needed another book from Robin Spiesman. I've written a lot of books over 35 years, yet this book, I like to say, really wrote me, which sounds odd, but the truth is... It was because of grief, and then it was because of love. So the grief was I just lost both of my beloved parents. I couldn't imagine life without them. And within a year or two of each other, they passed away from illnesses, and they lived a beautiful long life, never long enough for a daughter who adored them. But the grief, I feel, just um, taught me a great deal. And what I learned And what I started to practice was all this love that had been poured into me as a child and an adult from them. I realized that that was what I could do to keep them alive, was to pour that love into others. I began volunteering more. I began consciously connecting with strangers, learning other people's stories. I think I just slowed down long enough. Where the pain softened, it wasn't about forgetting ever. It was really about remembering what their lives stood for. And then love, love taught me a lot because I recently remarried a very kind man, a gentle man, a gentleman. And he asked me on our first Valentine's Day seven years ago, he said, what would you like for Valentine's Day? You report on gift giving, you know, you're the ultimate gift giver. And I thought about it and I thought the real lesson is Every morning I said to him, how about when we wake up, you you just say something nice, kind, loving. He said, oh, okay. And a man of a few words started doing that every morning. He said, good morning, beautiful. And 
before I knew it, every morning by the coffee pot, by the cereal bowl, there were post-it notes. If he forgot one day, there'd be a text at five o'clock during traffic hour. Good morning, beautiful. Then it got down to GMB. But it became <laughs> it became a, a, a way to communicate, to love me out loud, because here's a man of a few words, marries a woman of a lot of words. And I think that this really, this book celebrates the it's not just the art of emoting, but it's avoiding just a rapid fire emoticon emoji. You know, when you're feeling something kind and generous, it's about sharing it. We can't store that little happy face in a treasure box, perhaps invisible in our hearts, but we certainly can preserve words and replay them to ourselves and remind each other how we value and treasure each other. So Loving Out Loud was born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in your book, you talk about how this practice can be transformative, both for ourselves and for others. So how has it been transformative in your own life? Well, in the, in the first place in, in the book, I, I really talk about self-care. And I always heard the term self-love. And sure, we all wish to like the better parts of ourselves and love ourselves, but it sounded kind of uncomfortable at first. And then I thought, as I looked in the mirror in the morning and I thought, what do I tell myself? And I started listening to my own thoughts more. I noticed that I might be complaining about the weather or I might say, oh, it's going to rain. And then I'm like, well, that's good. Isn't that good? It's good for a lot of, a lot of trees and the, the landscaping and our nature. And I think what started to happen, though, was that I really became more aware of what I was telling my inner roommate. And mm-hmm. I said to myself, instead of looking in the mirror and saying, you look exhausted today, you're tired, you're late, you know, you look worried. I started saying, good morning. And I started saying, you've got this. The day's going to be a good one. One day, one minute at a time. And isn't that what yoga is? Just Mm -hmm. slowing down, not hurrying, stopping those thoughts that cause us so much distress by replaying them over and over. Mm -hmm. And I began loving out loud and I began noticing what other people were doing right instead of trying to hurry the world around me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you talk about yoga, um, to me, it's, it's, uh, well, if you've ever actually tried to control your thoughts, you real that realize that that's a really difficult thing to do. But I think that we can certainly be more aware, you know, of our inner dialogue and how it impacts us. And that is one of the main practices of yoga is just self-study, you know, where we're aware of these things. And you realize that um, as you Um, as you say many different times in the book, you know, something about what you pay attention to, you know, appreciates. And, you know, certainly kind of the more that you complain, the more there is to complain about, (laughs) you kind of realize, you know, and if you are looking for the positive, then, you know, amazingly, you do end up seeing more of it, don't you? You do. And you if you notice it, and you pay attention to it, and even others, they're more likely to do it. Because if I say, You didn't put up the the plates and the dishwasher. You know, no one wants to be overcorrected, um, told what they're doing wrong. I could just shift that to, I appreciate it so much when you put the plate in the dishwasher, it makes me smile. And it it just (laughs) makes, it saves me time. Thank you. And so I think what starts to happen is practicing thankfulness. 
We have Thanksgiving. We have the holidays coming up. But the practice of gratitude, as you said in this, the opening of the show, it's you could say it's not for the faint of heart because this is a consciousness and this is feeling grateful even when things are not going right, even when times are stressful and tough. That That's when we're tested. We're not tested when the day is going just perfectly, right? right. But when times are tough, do we have the emotional stamina to still be generous and kind, to give a smile to someone, even when you feel like the world around you might be you know, caving in a little bit? Or do we learn how to ask for help? And Loving Out Loud, this is a book that really takes the reader from the moment you wake up through your day, your relationships, your friendships, your children, raising kinder children, um, loving out loud at work. It's not love in the romantic sense. It's love as a verb. And when you get comfortable with it, it's like you open up a wellspring of intention. It's quite beautiful. It's like it is transformative. It's it's transformed me in, from a tornado, a woman that was just run, 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 get it done, one and done, off to the next, to I'm much more fun to be around. I'm calmer. I'm a better listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things you talk about in the book is how uh, this practice, how you can, you know, love people out loud, or if you, you know, want to just say it in other words, you know, share that kindness and gratitude, you know, with people around us, that it really helps to build connections. And that I thought was really touching, mm-hmm. you know, here in in this particular moment in our in our communal national life, you know, there's a lot of disconnection, you know, that's going on a lot of like labeling of others as, you know, us versus them kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was also a really important component to it, the aspect of connection. And so that's a a really important point because connection is everything. If you said sum up the book in, in one term, the depth of your connections, how you relate to others and how they feel about you puts you on a different guest list when you're kind and when you're generous in spirit, we're not just, we're not talking about material gifts because I've reported on that for 35 years. This is the way you make a heart smile. My mm. little five-year-old grandson said, but Roro, my grandma name, you can't make your heart smile. Your heart can't smile. And I said, oh yes, it can. I said, it's smiling right now. And I said, I feel it. And I know it. So I think that we can't snap our fingers and make people loving and kind and generous. Can't change someone. So how do you make the shift to those around you? Well, first, here's my best piece of advice. Go first. Mm. Example, as Bob Berg, the author of The Go-Giver, a friend of mine said, example, example, example. Mm. So you see someone who's nice. You know they make your day do you, do you understand, like Dr. Laurel, that, that they make your day, right? Someone's just generous and kind. And you go, wow, you just make me feel good. And I don't even know you. <laughs> That's right. Well, what happens if we bottle a little of that and then we understand when we're at our ourselves that are comfortable and a little joyful? And it doesn't mean you're running around with rose-colored glasses or Pollyanna because it still could be a difficult time in your life. Mm-hmm. 
But to connect with others, you get strength from others. When you give warmth, you receive warmth. Mm-hmm. And that's the exchange that is so pivotally, pitily, how do you say, pivotally precious. Mm-hmm. Your precious life connects with another and a dark moment becomes brighter. And then you notice the brightness. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a remarkable thing. Even when you make a new friend, like if I said to you, let's say we just met. And you might feel a little awkward, like, Robin, do you want to be my friend? Oh, you know, if I said that to you, would you please be my friend? You'd think I was needy or I'm stalking you. No. (laughs) A new neighbor that I wanted to get to know, I said, I would love to get to know you better. We're going to be neighbors. And you know what she said? She said, Robin, she says, I am open to a warm and loving friendship. Mm -hmm. How about that? And I said, great. And we went to lunch and... It's like we started off like it was like at a 10. It was already like we got each other because mm-hmm. we said warm, kind, thoughtful. Let's go there. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, um, you know, I totally have experienced what you're talking about. And on the other side, I can also see and hear as we're speaking, I can hear also the skeptical minds perhaps out there, you oh, know, yeah. and saying, oh, this sounds so Pollyanna-ish, you know, it's just kind of like a flattery or you're putting a false, you know, step forward. But I think that one of the things that really makes a difference is you really talk about this in the book, the honesty that's behind it. We're not making something up. We are feeling within ourselves this possibility and expressing that to someone else. So if it comes from that honest, heartfelt place, it lands in a way that um, that something that is just, you know, a made up kind of a brown nose sort of a, you know, <laughs> compliment wouldn't, you know, it's it's not superficial, you're trying to connect on a deeper level. Well, I think the key for me personally is to think about, well, people see through flattery, number one. And if you really live an authentic, sincere life, when you think a kind thought and then you share it, it's coming from the heart and it will enter the heart more easily. But that's not to say that I might right now, everybody's thinking, wow, it's easy for her. It's really not. It's really not. It's not easy for everyone. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us feel very awkward sharing feelings. So let's say you're that person and you woke up on the grumpy side of the bed and you stay that way and that's your thing, okay? You're Scrooge. But at the same time, you're not Scrooge and you're running around being generous and kind and everybody's not responding well because they think you're too nice. See, I want all those arguments to be put on a shelf. And this is my intention of loving out loud, the power of a kind word. Say one nice thing a day, one. And if you don't notice one, try again tomorrow. Because what starts to happen is when we replace these negative thoughts, we start believing what we're saying. And if you're gonna feed yourself negativity, I promise you things get darker. I mean, I know that is that if you look for what's right, you're more likely to find it. It's a, it's a principle in the foundation of childhood behavior. When you notice what children are doing right, they're more likely to do it. Compliment what's doing wrong, notice it, they're more likely to do it because a child's job is to get your attention. So 
knocking over the cookie jars just as easy as saying, may I please have a cookie until they find out how much fun it is. And so what I like to do is meet people where they're at, whether you're three, five, seven, or 97, where are you at? And to be interested in someone instead of interesting is a key to connection. So we go back to the word you brought up so elegantly, the idea of connection. We connect better. I'll I'll give you an example. We could talk and banter and have a great show, and I could talk all about why loving out loud works like magic, and this book is literally going to change your life, and I have proof. But what (laughs) if I said to you right now, what brings you happiness? Where's your happy place? Tell me about yourself a little, a little more. We just met. I'd love to know. What do you like to do? I want you to answer for me. Oh, what do I like to do? Yeah. I yeah. I like to have people, wonderful people that I have great conversations with on my podcast, on our podcast. <laughs> so you love to talk. You Do you love to talk as much as listen? I, I know what you're talking about because uh, I, I really uh, prided myself as a physician. That was like the number one thing that was important to me <clears throat> in, with my patients ah. is I, when I would have a new patient, I would say, you know, um, it always troubles me when the number one complaint that people have about their physicians across the country is my doctor doesn't listen to me. And I don't know of any doctor who walks into an exam room with their hands over their ears. So there, it's not, it's not like doctors are deliberately trying not to listen, but there are things that get in the way that can get in the way of practicing medicine can be very harried. There's lots of things going on in the background that, you know, a particular patient might not be aware of. But, you know, what I would invite people to do is I said, listen, I just want you to know listening is super important to me. And if you ever feel that I am not listening to you, please say that. Because if you say that to me, I will stop in my tracks and I will make sure that I'm listening. And that was great because and I I don't think anybody ever had to do that. You know, people really did feel that I, you know, that I was listening to them. Part of that was my own practices about trying to be present. You know, so I've had a meditation practice for many, many years, and I feel that is really key for me to be able to be present, you know, in the moment um, because it gives me a well to draw on. So I had a practice where before I would go into a patient's room, uh, for a, an appointment, I, I, when I put my hand on the doorknob, I would just rest it there for a moment oh. and I would stop and let go of anything else that was going on and be ready to listen, you know, to, to this, you know, this person. That was just my own personal little prompt about how to remember to be present was every time I entered the exam room, when my hand touched the doorknob, that was my little cue. So I was going to ask you, because it seems like part of what you're encouraging us to do is to be present. So do you have little tricks like that? Do you have little ways that you remind yourself to be present? Oh, I have so, I have so many, but I'll, we could do a whole show on that. But, but I, one thing I do is when my husband comes home, I get up and I greet him and I let him know how important he is by my body language. So if I'm busy and I'm on the computer and doing a hundred other things and he walks in, that's not a greeting. So I would encourage whether it's your children, it's your partner, it's your friend to stop and, and remember the, the importance of hello. So I like that. Now I'll tell you something I do every year and this year I missed it. 
And every year I notice the seasons. And when there's the first acorn on the ground, I pick it up. I treasure it. I've done this since I was a little girl. And I think about the time of year, what I have to be thankful for. And this acorn reminds me that the seasons are changing. And this year, um, my daughter was diagnosed with a um, serious illness. And I didn't go out to find the acorn. And one of my friends read the little little story in the book, Loving Out Loud, and she brought a bag of acorns last week to me. And as I opened them up, I, I was in tears. But so what happens is these little things that we, we remember about people, right? And people we love and these little habits, though, become personality traits that, that stop us to remember how, how precious life is. And not when something's going wrong should we remember. We need to remember it on an ordinary day that we can add extra kindness and extra hello and extra call to someone who needs it. That makes ordinary extraordinary. See, I don't wake up and think it's going to be an extraordinary day. I think every day is ordinary. And, oh, I love an ordinary day. And the way that I make it extraordinary is to add a little extra signature to what I do so a piece of myself goes into that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, we're coming up on the break. We just have about another minute. So perhaps this will just be the beginning, you know, of an answer. But um, you talk about, um, well, so many different things in the book that I thought were worthwhile. Um, kindness as a marathon rather mm-hmm. than a sprint. So can you say more about that? It's just that when you start the practice of being kind, you have to press, be aware that the little things matter so much. And it's not about everything you can do and feeling overwhelmed because here's this woman talking about loving out loud and, you know, you, you're just new to a city and you don't have any friends there or, or you're, you know, limited on your relationships or you've just gotten a divorce or you have just your best friend just said that you guys are not best friends. Whatever's going on in your life, it is a moment in time when you can stop and connect with someone and and share a generous thought. And that takes a little step at a time, one step in front of the other. And try it. After the show, and, and of course, if you're not driving or anything else, stand up, put one foot in front of the other, and walk six or seven steps. It is a balancing act even to do little things well and how fabulous they can be. And with that, we've come to the break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest Robin Speisman, author of the book we're discussing today, Loving Out Loud, The Power of a Kind Word. You can find more about Robin, her books and events at her website, robinspeisman.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show, and we come back from the break. We'll explore more about practicing kindness and gratitude. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. 
Welcome back from the break. My guest today is Robin Spiesman, award-winning New York Times bestselling author and popular keynote speaker. And Robin's book that we're discussing today is Loving Out Loud, The Power of a Kind Word. So Robin, during the break, you and I were talking about, um, let's see, we wanted to come in. I'm forgetting. Do you remember? It's right, being right. Being oh, that's out. right. That's right. Absolutely. Ah. Um, and, and how that can really be a trap you know, yep. really insisting on being right. And how one of the things that, that I've been trying over this past couple of months is just experimenting with letting that go, letting go of this need to be right. So what, what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, I thought for a long time that being right was important. I mean, doesn't everyone want to be right? Your point of view, it has validity. And there are times when we have those moments where we're teaching something we believe is right. You know, it's a, it's a characteristic we wish others possess and we think it's right, but there's a difference when you're righteous and there's a difference when you're talking down to someone because they're not, or they are not you. And not everyone is going to have the same sensitivity that you have, the perception you have of, of, of a balanced world so how do we all get there together? I mean, this is just during your day, you experience dozens of people, loads of relationships. It could even be a, you know, a robocaller, you know, a caller that you don't even know and you're already angry because they're calling you and disrupting your day and you want to be right. So you continue arguing. And so I'm going to back up and say, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Do you want to be heard? So I think instead of saying to yourself, do you want to be right? The next time you have a strong opinion about something, then you want everyone to follow this advice or this, you know, idea. Think about, are they able to hear you? Let's start there. And first of all, no one can hear someone who always wants to be right and you're wrong. So if immediately I have a knee jerk response to you, You'd give me some idea and I disagree. And I'm like, there's no way. That's not right. You're, you know, you're out of your mind. What are you, what are you talking? Immediately, you set the tone for an argument. And it will get you nowhere except more argument. And then you'll feel bad. And then you'll try to be right again to, to try to talk your way out of being wrong or right. I think what we want to do is change the pattern with which we communicate. So the first thing I've learned to do is to pause. If you're going to tell me something and you're going to say to me, you know, it really wasn't thoughtful of you, Robin, when you X, Y, or Z, whatever it was. So I could be defensive and say, but I was doing this and this and this. And my intention was, it doesn't matter. That was their experience of me. So when I stop and I think about it and I'd say, Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, I see it differently. I thought that I was being thoughtful. Gosh, this is a lesson. I'll pay more attention to that. Mm. I think what happens is when you give up being um, putting someone on the witness stand and argument arguing for the sake of your your case, mm. and you realize you want to be happy or you want to be right, there just comes a time when I suggest you choose happy. I don't believe though in compromising boundaries and values and loving out loud the power of a kind word i talk very much about 
ask for the gifts of listening. Mm-hmm. I ask for someone's permission to share a point of view. They're going to they're gonna slow down and hear you. So there's all these communication skills in the book and ways where it's not about being right as much as it is. Is someone turning their, their head to you and not even listening? Or are they really hearing what your intention is? Mm-hmm. And you'll get a lot further. Yeah, so I like that idea yeah. that it, that uh, practice of taking that pause because yeah. it gets us out of that reactive mindset. You know, mm, it gets right. us out of like our knee jerk thing, you know, to go where we always go with it. And it allows us uh, more opportunity for um, for a change that we may want to make in our own, you know, behavior to be less reactive. And instead of being triggered to ask something about, you know, what do I have to learn here? What can this teach me? You know, is so much more of a receptive, you know, receptive attitude about that. And, and that defensiveness, I think what I've learned now is to be willing, instead of feeling like a dartboard, if someone says something negative, and I'm like, who are they talking about? They say something to me and it was negative. I, I, I tried, instead of feeling that piercing me, I let it just kind of pass through me. I observe it. I think about to myself, how important is this for you to address? And when we give attention to something, even negative, we keep it going. And I mean, we actually make it worse. So over-talking, talking too much, sometimes we just need to listen and sit with it and maybe have that pause be a rule that says before you respond, see how important it really is. And tomorrow morning, if it's still really important, maybe you'll ask for the gift of listening instead of immediately responding and creating a complete upset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, and then also understand where someone else is at. If someone is in a difficult situation, you can tell they're stressed out. You know they're having a bad day. Think about your timing. Mm-hmm. And that, that is another a whole other topic. Yeah. So, you know, in talking about, you know, the potential impact of this work, one of the things that I wanted to mention is that I found one of the exercises that you uh, that you outlined in the book to be really helpful to think about, reflect on a compliment that someone had given me that I still remember. And I think this is really a, a useful thing, you know, for people who, again, may still be a little skeptical about this practice, you know, yes. but to just think about something. And I was able to think about two or three things that had happened, two or three comments that people had made to me, some of which dated years ago. And I thought, wow, if someone was able to give me a compliment that, you know, lasted years that I can still remember, I mean, that again, shows to me the power you know, of, of this, the power of our, of our words to, you know, build kindness. And when I think about those things, um, those compliments that were given to me that I, that I still remember even a long time afterwards, it seems to me that it's because they reflected something back to me that was super important, some quality mm-hmm. that I was trying to build. So you had a cute story, you know, in the book about that, a compliment that you received when you were in first grade. <laughs> That's really yeah. true. And, yeah. And so, so, so would you share that story with our listeners? Well, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, there were there were quite a few stories, but one that in that keeping, you know, comes to mind was in first grade. The principal 
at E. Rivers Elementary School. Remember it like it was yesterday. The principal took my artwork and hung, and I, I, had, I remember it was a self-portrait, and on the pocket, I made it like a little 3D. I bent the corners back and did something 3D, whatever it was. It was like three-dimensional on this self-portrait. She hung it in the hall. And then, then when you came down the gigantic hall, which really was not, you know, not very large, right. as a first grader, and my artwork was up there, it made me feel important. So if you think about that little story and how it applies to how we make another person feel visible, mm -hmm. you notice that they have a beautiful scarf on and they tied it so elegantly. How did they do that? When you notice that someone has such a warm personality and their smile lights up a room like a hundred watt light bulb, you know, did you tell them? Did you notice when someone was so careful to detail, even though they slowed the line down at the grocery store painstakingly, but they were so careful they got your receipt correct. Yeah. You know, where are we in this world? Are we, are we trying to hurry everybody up or can we just slow down long enough to appreciate that they just wanted to get it right? Yeah. And that was important. And then notice it. And then you find out it was their first day on the job. And yeah. so lighten up world, you know, <laughs> we have to lighten up yeah. and I have to lighten up. I can be as intense as, as anyone on earth. And I'm the first to say it, this woman right here, um, bull in a China shop if she wants to be, but it's not the way I want to live the rest of my life. I want to be remembered as someone who really loved and I took the time to care. Exactly. So one other thing that you stressed that I that I wanted to underline, you know, is that if we're going to increase our practice of really recognizing each other truly, you know, in a heartfelt way uh, to give compliments or express gratitude, um, it's also important for the person on the other end to be a gracious receiver mm. and for ourselves to be a gracious receiver if it turns the other way and comes our way instead. And I think it's this is just a really interesting question because it's something I had to work with myself on for quite a long while. You know, uh, for um, a number of years when someone would say positive, something positive to me, I would say, oh, no, it was nothing. It was I would minimize it, you know, in some way. And just to be able to relax into that you know, heartfelt feeling and, and, and say, thank you, you know, for the compliment. Why, thank you. You made my day or something like that. So um, why do you think it's important for us to work on and why is it so hard for some of us to receive? Hmm. Okay. So I'm on the receiving line right now. I'm a giver. I am, I am the ultimate giver. If you ask anybody who knows me, she's Johnny on the spot when it's a moment where I can show up and do something that, make someone else's day gentler. And what happened with my beloved family member, I'm now on the receiving line. I'm receiving so much um, love to pull through a difficult time. And this, this hour I'm with you right now. I'm, I was at the hospital all night and um, woke up at 5 a.m. just to get it all done this morning to be back and I'm headed there next. And being on the receiving line means you now let other people have a turn. See, when we are the givers, we're just robbing other people of just the, the, the amazing power and, 
and glorious gift it is to give. So now I'm the receiver, and if I don't let anyone give, then I'm depriving them of what I love to do most. And there's a serious conflict there, right? I'm not loving out loud if I'm not receiving. So the two-way street is critical. And when you've got that little compliment, big or little, whether you believe it or not, look at someone in the eye and say, how kind of you to stop and share your thoughts with me. Right. Even if you don't believe it, even if you think it's false flattery, that's not your job to assign all these feelings. They stopped. They did a kind deed. Yeah. With or without motive, we don't know. Right. But appreciate it and watch what happens. Yeah. You, you'll practice, just practice, practice. And I, as I mentioned earlier in the show, one of the key practices of Kriya Yoga is uh, that self-study you know, that aspect. So to see this in ourselves, to see our discomfort, you know, and maybe reflect on that. What is it? You know, someone has, like you said, gone to the trouble, they've taken the trouble to stop and to share something with us. And why is it that we can't see the best in us? Um, you know, if, if someone points that out. So here's so the, a, well, this is, excuse me, I'm sorry, but that's okay. this is, this is really a critical thought. Sometimes people are uncomfortable with receiving because it reminds them of what's going on. So if someone's having a really difficult time and you see them and you're at dinner and all of a sudden you say, oh, I'm so sorry about X, Y, or Z. In that moment, they have to stop and reflect upon the depth of pain, their, their heartache. So I think what starts to happen is we can't, we have to stop really almost judging the giver or judging the receiver and let everyone move through this beautiful life of ours at their own speed. Because you know how you, sometimes you leave an anonymous gift and it's easier for the person because then they don't have to feel embarrassed or weak or yes, we're in a struggle or mm -hmm. I can't face anything more difficult right now today than this. It's a reminder, even when you're kind. It's a really complicated topic, but now that I'm on the receiving side, I can say, learn how to just say thank you. You don't have to explain everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning how just to say thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I also think there's an aspect of um, maybe feeling that it's, um, you know, either on one hand, self-aggrandizing, um, you know, to to receive a compliment like that, just to say thank you, or maybe perhaps it's a you know it's a sign of vulnerability, you know, that you would let that yet let your guard down and let something in. But one other thing that I really wanted to touch on is um, is the inspiration, how inspiration. Uh, can come to us in these ways, um, you know, feedback from someone else or giving feedback. And I love the Albert Schweitzer quote that, uh, quote that you included in the book, which is the following. He said, often our own light goes out and is rekindled by some experience we go through with a fellow man. Thus, we have each of us cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. Mm -hmm. Once again, we have 
each of us cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. So can you talk about that, about just this, this ability we have to give that support, to share that light? Um, is that something that, you know, that you've experienced and seen as part of this practice? In loving out loud, I can honestly say, and I can tell you right now, since Donna Markova, who wrote the co-creator of Random Acts of Kindness decades ago, wrote my foreword, and she really said where we we place our attention, a thought can grow. And what concerns me most about the concept of the way people might look at love as being you're too nice or you're too generous or or maybe it's false flattery love is a powerful connector and when you take the time to tell someone else how they've touched you they've inspired you they validated you or they made you feel it's a powerful reminder of the beauty of the human spirit and so we're humankind, we're, we're humans being kind, humankind. It's an unbelievable concept because we're called humankind. So why aren't humans more kind yeah. to each other? So I just believe that lighting the flame, taking the time to tell someone, I, I was visited for, I just, I, I ran this morning to my granddaughter's um, little grandparents day at school. And so I had to, I, I couldn't miss that for anything. And there was a little boy who had a hard time getting a few words out. And I turned to him and I said, your artwork is beautiful. I love the way you made that turkey red and green and yellow and orange. He just beamed. Yeah. And so I think we are all, we have the ability to light a flame everywhere we go, including our own rekindle the light within you. Isn't that what this is all about? Loving out loud. We rekindle our own light when we offer someone else, even the strike, the, the, the little bit of a flame. Hmm. So here we are. <clears throat> if you're listening to the live broadcast or if you're listening to the, to the podcast anywhere close to November 21st, we are in the week before Thanksgiving here. Thanksgiving's next Thursday. So, so that's what I wanted to ask you about, Robin. So here we yes. are. What is a loving out loud practice that you would recommend for people as we are, you know, heading in? Well, first of all, to this Thanksgiving in a week, but also then the holidays, uh, which can be really stressful, but is there is there a Thanksgiving yes. living out or loving out loud practice yes. you'd like to recommend to people? Sure. Okay, so you have a hundred things to do to get ready for Thanksgiving, right? Okay, the company's coming, the dinner, the feast, the whatever, even the hostess gift, everything. This is like A to Z. So I want you to write down your to do list so you've recorded it, and I also want you to make a to love list. Because the to love list will be the list that matters. Long after the cranberries are eaten and the turkey is gobbled up, the to love list is what people are going to remember. They might remember one recipe that you duplicated and shared with everyone and gave a cooking lesson on how to do it. But they're going to love the fact that you invested a piece of yourself, the time in the dinner, the place cards with a little fun fact about 
each person's accomplishment that year. Uh, I think that the goal is, again, move to a do list to a to love list. Make and then if you, have, yeah. if you have that to love list, you know, yeah. then doing something special for each person that's on it or saying something special. A toast to each person, you could do it. Um, I love on the place cards, I, I'll put these little accomplishments and um, everyone has to, I don't put the name at the, the table, so they have to find where they're sitting based on their accomplishment. And it could be a hole in one on the golf course because yeah. everyone loves out loud differently. Some people sing, bake, dance, you know, garden. So yeah. I, I think that the other thing is, um, is you, one of my friends says a, a, a thank thanksgiving jar where their things are thankful for and things they're giving so if they're giving love if they're giving their attention if they're reading a book to a, a child at a school that where they volunteer at remember that thanksgiving is all about thanks and giving mm -hmm. so think of your dinner as put that love into all that food you're preparing yeah so um <clears throat> Reading your book uh, was reminding me of another book that I had read years ago by a woman named Lynn uh, Twist, which was called The Soul of Money. But um, and she talked about in the she talks in the book about how, you know, we can match up our giving, you know, with the things that are most deeply important to us on a soul level. But the part of the book that that has really stuck with me is this part where she talks about gratefulness and thanksgiving. And she talks about gratefulness as being this cup. Imagine that it's a cup and it's full of all of the things that you're grateful for. And it gets so filled up that if you add one more drop, you know, of gratitude to it, it then overflows. And she said that overflow of your cup of gratitude is the thanksgiving, mm, you know, that when gratitude that. overflows from great fullness, she goes great fullness, it's gratefulness, yes. but great fullness of that cup of gratitude overflowing into thanksgiving and that. literally then using that as, um, as giving thanks, you know, I, I love that. And I think it's <clears throat> about making meaning, not just money. It's about making a loving, not just a living, which I talk about in loving out loud. And when we make a loving, which is what you're doing, what I think you've always done, doctor, in your entire career, we make a loving, we have a better life. It's what a good life looks like. Yeah. And again, this time has gone so quickly, but yes, in closing, the last minute and a half that we have, what words of inspiration or encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, I think the first thing is, it's what I talk about in the book, but show up lift up and never give up. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of individuals that are negative that um, will not see the light of this conversation as easily perhaps as another listener might, viewer. So be first, go first, show up and, and clap loudly for them. Mm -hmm. And as you support others, it's not that you do it with the hope of an expectation, but magic starts to work and you'll just start to see if you love out loud, read this book, gift it to someone that who loves you out loud and share a conversation about how you wish to be loved. I wish to be loved out loud. Mm -hmm. Very nice. 
You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show, and we've been discussing Cultivate Kindness and Connect Deeply with our guest, Robin Speisman, author of the book we've been discussing today, Loving Out Loud, The Power of a Kind Word. You can find out more about Robin, her books, and her schedule at her website, robinspeisman.com, and that's R-O-B-Y-N-S-P-I-Z-M-A-N, robinspeisman.com. Thank you so much for this conversation, Robin. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. It's been my greatest pleasure. You're a wonderful listener, and you, your questions were perfect. <laughs> Great. Uh, join us for our next program on the Yoga Hour, when Yogacharya O'Brien's guest will be Rick Archer, the creator and host of the interview show, Buddha at the Gas Pump. In a program titled Knowledge in Different Levels of Consciousness, they will be discussing spiritual paradoxes, such as the assertion that we are all already enlightened, which goes along with the instruction that spiritual practice is necessary. Tune in and find out more. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour at iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the podcasts, think about telling a friend about it. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producer Ann Hayes, CSE's global media outreach manager, Holly Gray, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 